0: Rosabeth Moss Cantor is a professor with the Harvard Business School. She she shared this great definition of vision. She says, A vision is not just a picture of what could be. It is an appeal to our better selves. A call to become something more. Today, we're going to talk about vision. Specifically, our Clay Church vision. Would you pray with me? Lord, in these moments together today, just open our, hears, our ears to hear what you would have to share with us, each one of us. Open our minds to your wisdom. Open our eyes to See what you see and open our hearts to be filled to overflowing with your love that we might share it with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 2015, a group of leaders at Clay Church began a process to discern a, a, a next vision for our church. This, uh, this team, it, it met, spent hours together, praying together, pouring through data on the church in the, in the Michiana area, listened to congregation members and youth and people from across Michiana and, and sought answers to the question, what is God leading us to at Clay Church? Or, or where is God leading us at Clay Church? The vision that they heard remains our vision As Clay Church today, and a team has been meeting over about the last year talking about a strategic plan to see how all of us are vital to helping live into this vision for Clay Church. We're going to be sharing that strategic plan a little later in the year, but sort of in preparation for that, it it felt like it made sense to go back to that initial vision because there are many of us who don't remember last week's sermon, let alone seven years ago. And there are even more of us who were not here when that initial vision was cast. So we're going to, over the next three weeks, explore the vision of Clay Church in hopes to get inspired by God again to live in to this vision. And we're going to do that in a large part because our vision is Clay Church. It isn't is it just a dream or a hope, and it isn't just words on the page or, or words on the screen. Our vision as Clay Church is, is a call from God, right? Our vision is a, is a call from God that's grounded in Scripture. Yes, it's the result of a group of leaders praying together and, and listening for what God is, is saying to us, But even more, it's an invitation to live into the example of Christ as a community together. So, before we dive in, let me give you just a a little bit of Clay Church uh, history. Clay Church has been through three vision processes over the last 20 so years. The first was called the Caleb Team. And it focused on Clay as a, as a caring community that was growing and said, what do we do with this, with this growth that we're seeing as a caring community in South Bend and Michiana? And one of, the, one of the highlights of that vision that became a reality is this campus. We are here today because the Caleb team imagined more space for more ministry to happen as Clay Church the second team what's called the Chloe team. And this team recognized that God's love, it couldn't be contained. We'd we had, yes, expanded into another campus, but, but God's ministry was bigger than our location, and it needed to spread beyond the walls, and so the, the Chloe vision was to get ministry out beyond the walls, and as a result of that, we began drilling water wells in Burkina Faso, and we expanded our partnerships with schools to meet real needs in the community, and we have expanded again and again our, our food ministries as Clay Church. In 2015, we started that third vision process, and we realized that after Caleb and Chloe, we needed a C name. And so we thought, maybe we should be the Chipotle team. I think because we'd had Chipotle at one of our meetings and we liked it. But that didn't really feel holy or right, and so Bill Scherzer, who's now our staff parish chair, uh, went on a search through Scripture for sea names in the Bible. And this is where I think the Spirit, like when you search in Scripture, the Spirit can do amazing things. And the, the Spirit led, Bill, to the story of Cleopas. And I don't know if you know the story of Cleopas. If not, it's okay. We're going to talk a lot about it in the next two or three weeks. Cleopas and the other disciple were on the road to Emmaus and encountered Jesus. This scripture became the foundation for how God was speaking to us of a, of a vision for Clay Church. So let's dig into this story. If you want to read along, it's Luke chapter 24. We're going to start at verse 13. This is the story in Luke's gospel of the walk to Emmaus. This happens after Jesus was resurrected. He appeared to the, uh, to the women at the tomb. And then we read this. Now on that same day... Two of them, two of the followers of Jesus, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near them and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, "'Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days?' Jesus asked them, "'What things?' They replied, "'The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people.' And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there... Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. The story goes on. As they came near the village to which they were going, Jesus walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the story of the the walk to Emmaus. We're going to dive back into that in just a moment, but before that, I want to I want to invite you to do something. I want to invite you, if it helps to close your eyes, I want you to just picture a wonderful hug, an amazing embrace. Just picture the best hug, the best embrace you've ever had. You might be wondering why we're starting here. You might also be wondering why the first hug that came to mind for me was hugging pandas, but I mean, look at hugging pandas. They're, they're so cute. And I thought that if I started with hugging kittens, you'd think that I was just being manipulative. Actually, I'm guessing that many of you start, thought of an embrace of a loved one. Maybe a loved one who's with us, maybe a loved one who has passed on. Someone you love. I'm going to guess some of you thought of that that sense you get when someone wraps their arms around you and holds you tight in a way that says you are loved no matter what. Some of you thought about that kind of embrace that's about filling a human need to be cared for, loved unconditionally. That embrace can often say to us, you're okay, it's okay, it will be okay. Whatever is happening right now, however bad it may seem, I'm with you. Someone cares, you're not alone in this. These reflections, these thoughts, I hope, about embracing, about hugs, about being wrapped in someone's love, I hope they bring a little bit of joy, or at least a, a sense of, of comfort because this idea that the sense of being embraced is, is palpable. We imagine the power of an embrace in our lives or we see pictures of, of hugs on screen and we can't help but think about right the love and the caring and the sense of lives that matter, stories that matter that come when we are embraced. In the book Tuesdays with Maury, Maury is uh, dying of Lou Gehrig's disease. And one of his former students, a, a young man he mentored, was, is Mitch Album, And Mitch is writing this book. Mitch is a sports writer, but he's just been, he, he ends up visiting Maury and then is drawn to write this story of his time with Maury as Maury is, is passing through Lou Gehrig's disease. And Maury tells him, he says, having others take care of him now isn't, isn't so bad. At this point, Maury can't take care of his own needs at all. He needs somebody to do everything for him. And then Maury says this, he says, the truth is, when our mothers held us, rocked us, stroked our heads, none of us ever got enough of that. We all yearn in some way to return to those days when we were completely taken care of, unconditional love, unconditional attention. Most of us didn't get enough. God created us in God's image for relationship. At the heart of who we are is a desire for relationship, for embraced, to be loved, to be embraced right where we are, as we are, how we are. Which leads us back to the story of Cleopas. When Cleopas and the other disciple are on the road to Emmaus, we might look at what they say to Jesus. The first thing is they they talk about um, what the the Scriptures said, right? And what happened in in Jerusalem. But then notice what they, they say next. They say, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Jerusalem. Notice those words, we had hoped, past tense. Not we are hoping, not we, we have hope. No, the hope is past. They see no, no hope now. This walk that they are on to Emmaus is one of despair and struggle, wrestling with what the world has dealt them and, and how the future they imagined is no longer what they, what they thought it was going to be. They had thought that Jesus would become the the Messiah, the King of the kingdom, and that they would serve in his court. But now he's dead. And while the women have have said he's alive, they haven't seen him, and they they don't know what to believe. It's a walk of despair. We had hoped is like saying to this stranger, our hope is gone, it's over. It isn't what we'd hoped. It's not what we'd planned for. And if we're honest, most of us, have been on that road. Maybe you are on that road right now in your own life, this walk of despair, struggle, losing a future that you'd hoped for. They walk this road of despair, or struggle like you and I sometimes do, or, or particularly like those in the world who don't know the love of Jesus sometimes do. I'd hoped the cancer would go away. But it hasn't. I had hoped my marriage could survive this, but it isn't. I had hoped my child would listen and do the right thing, but she isn't and, and didn't. I had hoped that this job would pan out, but it hasn't. I had hoped my family would understand and be there, but but they're not. I'd hoped we would live deep into old age together, but we didn't. We had hoped, hoped it would be okay, but it isn't. And it's really easy to think maybe it never will be. I heard a pastor share a part of her faith story. She'd kind of drifted away from church and active faith for a while in, in her life when one day her dad had a severe heart issue. They weren't sure he was going to make it. He was in the uh, intensive care unit um, being attended to by by doctors and nurses constantly had pumps and was hooked up to all kinds of monitors and she said she was standing just outside of the IC room looking in through the window when uh, the family pastor who received news came in, and walked up next to her, and said, "This sucks." Said he said he then just stood there with her quietly till she was ready to talk a little bit. In these moments of life, in the, these moments of despair and, and struggle, all too present in our world, times when we lack hope or, or think that we might be alone, when the future that we'd hoped for is suddenly not there. It's in these moments when we just need somebody to embrace us, to, to walk up beside us, and maybe not to necessarily have answers, but just to say so that we know we're not alone, this sucks. If my mom is watching today, I'm sorry, I've now said that word four times today that I'm not supposed to say. But sometimes that, that's all we can do. That's all we can say. Sometimes the word is what captures the moment. It's gear in these times of struggle that, that somebody may just need to hear that we don't have all the answers, but we're here for them. That they may feel alone, but they're not. To these moments when we most need to know somebody cares. It's in these moments that we most need somebody to embrace us. It's here in this place that Jesus meets Cleopas and the other disciple and listens to them, shares a meal with them. Every person embraced. This is the first pillar of our vision at Clay Church. Imagine that, that anyone who encounters Clay Church, this is our vision, that, that we are called so that anybody who, who encounters Clay Church, and by Clay Church, I mean you, we, the people of Clay Church, we are the church, that anybody encounters Clay Church would leave the experience and be like, man, I have been embraced in a love like none other that I've known before. I want to imagine that anybody who has encountered the church community or a member of the church would say, that is the church, that clay church. That's the church that just embraces people where they are. Everyone who encounters that church leaves feeling a little bit more loved, like they matter, like someone heard their story and like their story means something in the world. This vision allows us to to imagine what ministry can look like for us. Imagine a, a teenager without a church home being invited by a friend who comes to the Clay Church Firehouse Ministries and and the, and then later says my mom and dad were getting divorced and I was struggling with everything I wouldn't have made it through that time without my small group leader and my church friends embracing me when things were just a mess we can imagine a, a widower saying I didn't think there would be a life without my love but a Stephen minister walked with me through the grief until I was ready to, to hear that there is life on the other side of death. You can imagine somebody in, in your neighborhood saying, I didn't know anyone even knew how tough the days were in my life. I'd shared with my neighbors, but we talk with neighbors all the time. And then when we were losing my mom, that member of Clay Church just showed up and brought a meal and and a prayer shawl, and told me that the church was praying for me. I just felt embraced in a way I'd never known before. We're invited to imagine a a family in the community with a parent who lost a job, worried about the start of school and and school supplies, and hesitant to ask for help and handouts, but who who comes to a, a Clay Church backpack event where they aren't just given supplies, but there's something in the volunteers that helps them just to know they're loved. People asking them how they can help, inviting them to be part of the community. The community that cares. We can imagine a, a person in assisted living, feeling lonely, like nobody is coming to visit anymore, when when suddenly a, a group from the church decides to meet there once a month instead of at the church, and inviting the, the people to, to gather and, and join with them because because that's our call to embrace everyone. And that elder saying later, I I felt so alone, and then all of a sudden this church showed up, and and I had a community and and a family, and I felt embraced by God again. This is the church that God is calling us to be. But before we just leave it there, there's one... More little piece of this story of Cleopas that we ought to to dive into as we think about embracing everybody. It's what happens after, after Jesus speaks to them and they tell him what's going on. Jesus begins to go along, and it looks like Jesus is going to go up the road on his own, but do you notice what happens next? Cleopas and the other disciple, they invite him in. Now, at this point, he's a stranger. Luke doesn't share why they didn't recognize Jesus. There are lots of theories out there, but but I, I tend to think Luke didn't focus on that because that wasn't what was most important. What was more important was the moment of discovery. How did they know that it was Jesus? Well, they came to know that it was Jesus when they embraced the stranger, when they embraced him and invited him to join them for a meal. When they embraced the stranger and sat down with the stranger and and began a conversation around a table, that's when they realized that Jesus was present with them. It was in this gift of offering hospitality, embrace, that they recognized Jesus. Sometimes after we say yes to following Jesus, become a regular part of a church, and I think this is particularly true of a a larger church, it, it can be easy to, down the road, feel like we're no longer embraced. Right for whatever reason, maybe we're let down by somebody in the church, and and that hurts, or or maybe um, maybe uh, maybe we're struggling and nobody seems to notice. And in these moments, right, as followers of Jesus, we have this choice: we can either lean out from the community, or we can lean in. Right? We can lean out and withdraw and, and walk away and say, I, I don't know that I'm embraced anymore, or or we can step in and, and share our pain. Or step into the into the difficulty and realize that that Jesus is there. That maybe by sharing what we need, feel that embrace again. You see, I wonder if, if maybe when we feel that we're not embraced, the answer isn't to, to lean out, but it's actually, actually to model, model the faith of Cleopas, to step in and offer the invitation. In the despair, and the sense of abandonment, the uncertain future, Cleopas could have just let the stranger go and, and had dinner with the one person he knew best, but instead he embraces the stranger, invites him in for dinner. If you aren't feeling embraced, perhaps the next step in faith is not to wait until someone embraces you, but to go and embrace them or go and embrace others. Because, right, an embrace has two parties, the one being embraced and the one offering the embrace. And the gift is, the, the incredible thing is, that once the embrace is happening, both feel the power of that love. Both, in an embrace of faith, can sense the presence of Jesus. And here is the core gift of that embrace. When we lean into a relationship, when we walk with someone whose future is suddenly not what they expected, when we are willing to step up next to somebody and say, "Uh, yeah, this sucks, and I'm here with you, In that moment of hopelessness or or being lost or despair, we get to whisper to them what we've come to know in the embrace of Jesus. This moment is not the last moment. This word is not the last word. Jesus came out of the grave. He's alive. Death doesn't win. The pain won't win. Love will win. This is the embrace of Jesus on the walk to Emmaus. This is the embrace offered to each one of us. And if you sit today and you're like, I I haven't known that kind of, of love that conquers all. I haven't known that kind of embrace that conquers all. You're invited today to just say yes. Yes to following Jesus and to know that that embrace is offered to every single follower and that this church stands ready to offer that embrace to you. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus here today, our invitation is to take this embrace and offer it to those who don't know that kind of love, those walking on that road of despair and hopelessness, to come up alongside them to break bread and a meal with them, and to say, you are not alone. You are loved. When we share the embrace of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we transform lives. This is our call, the first part of our vision as Clay Church, every person embraced. Amen.